Greetings and salutations, and welcome to another episode of the Cult Spark Podcast. My name is Bob Taylor. I'm your host. This is a podcast where we talk about movies, TV, and other entertainments of the cult and geek varieties. We've got a twofer for you tonight. We're going to be talking about two newish films, Black Panther, the cultural phenomenon from Marvel Studios, as well as Annihilation, the new uh, Alex Garland science fiction horror movie did i get his name right Stu? it's alex garland right it is alex garland uh, i also just spoiled my next bit which is that i'm joined by Stu smith again tonight back with the program how are you doing today Stuart? well i'm i'm sure the people are shocked that i of all people am appearing on this podcast blown, so, yeah. blown away good, like really yeah. bob's talking to so, Stu. <laughs> good good job spoiling the deal, bob good job so uh for those of you who are tuning in to hear about Black Panther, uh, we're going to do that second. So either listen to us talk about Annihilation for a while or skip through. Maybe in the notes I'll try to put the time in which we talk about Black Panther. But we wanted to get to the newer film first, which is Annihilation, which, like I said, science fiction film, Natalie Portman. It's about a team of all-women scientists slash soldiers who go into this science fiction-y thing called, uh, what's it called, Stu? The Shimmer? They're going into the, the shimmer. shimmer, right? It's this it's this growing, nebulous, cancerous area that has I, resulted from a meteor strike on the, I don't, the United States. I don't States. know that I would call it cancerous, well, though. It's, that, it's, that makes it seem it's, a little bit more deadly, in a way. Well, I it, mean, is, it's not, it is very deadly. People are going it, in and not coming out. And plus, cells well, are mute. I've read, I've read theories that the whole thing is... A metaphor for cancer and, you know, cells being... It, it could it could be a metaphor for cancer. That's certainly a valid reading. But, uh, you know, it doesn't... The shimmer doesn't kill what goes into it. It just... It alters it. It just changes it, you know? I mean, it, you, you could... Assuming you don't get eaten by, like, a giant, you know, bear hybrid monster thing or a, you know, a, a dinosaur-sized <laughs> crocodile or alligator. No, no, it'd be, it'd be alligator since it's a... Swamp. Anyway, I forget which one's freshwater. Anyway, uh, you know, so long as you don't get, uh, you know, eaten by the mutated uh, uh, fauna out there, uh, I mean, you could survive, and I mean, you would just be irrevocably, irrevocably altered it's, by it, but it wouldn't necessarily kill you. It's not a very good place to go. Well, I mean, assuming that you want to stay in your uh, current human form, <laughs> then sure. Assuming that. Just, right, but I mean, but it's just uh, that's part of what I think makes the movie so interesting is that. You know, what is going on, you know, in Area X, in the, you know, inside the Shimmer is, uh, you know, it's inexplicable. And it, it really is kind of a, a matter of perspective as to, you know, what's going on. And, and, you know, I mean, is it beneficial? Is it detrimental? Is it, you know, is it truly harmful to the state of the earth? Uh, you know, that this thing is doing what it's doing and expanding and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's, there's not really an easy answer to any of that stuff. So let's talk about why people should see this movie. As I mentioned, it was written and directed by Alex Garland, who is excellent. If you don't know him, he wrote 28 Days Later. He wrote Sunshine. He wrote Dread. He wrote and directed Ex Machina. So that right there is a, a fuckload of good movies I just named. This, this didn't guy, he also direct or write? Didn't he also write The Beach? I forget. He wrote the novel, I believe. Yes. Mm, the, okay. He wrote the book, The Beast. So yeah, very, very talented dude, Alex Garland. Uh, Ex Machina. While he's not... written, he's written a couple video games. Uh, really? He, did, he yeah, he wrote. He worked with uh, Ninja Theory uh, early on in, with their stuff. Uh, he he definitely did the majority of of the writing on uh, Enslaved Odyssey to the West, uh, which had Andy Serkis doing uh, you know 
voice acting and motion capture. I've never for even her. heard of that game. That's crazy. Uh, it's pretty good. It's it's a little basic in terms of the gameplay, but the environments and the concept and the story is really really cool. Uh, it came out on PS3 and 360. Uh, you can still find it on PC pretty easily. You know what's interesting about all that is at least once while I was watching Annihilation, I thought like this could make a video game. Like I, yeah, the, yeah, the, it the, very easily the structure. Could. I mean, the 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 characters in that film are on a quest and they're going through the sort of exotic locations, and some of them almost feel like video game chapters. Like they're in the yeah. swamp and they're on the beach and they're fighting monsters and it's like man this this would work as a game. Uh, and then he also wrote the story for the Devil May Cry reboot that came out in 2013. Okay. So very talented, diverse man, Alex. Garland. Yeah, it, you know, yeah, he he knows his stuff and, and uh, ex, ex Machina was a hell of a introduction. You know, for a guy, you know, for a, a first feature for him to direct. Yeah, that was his first directorial. Uh, uh, Great film, uh, you know. So it was really, it was really interesting to me going into this, you know, wondering if, uh, you know, if he'd be able to to keep up that momentum. And I, I really think he has. I mean, he's he's just done uh, a phenomenal job, uh, you know, putting forth something that's thought provoking, uh, that's visually stunning. So yeah, I mean, yeah, if you want to talk about reasons to go see this, uh, you know, watch Natalie Portman do stuff that you've never seen her do in a movie before. Uh, I was actually kind of, I was kind of concerned, you know, I mean, she, she's, she is of slight frame. I was wondering, mm-hmm. you know, how convincing she would look, you know, firing off a, you know, an M4, <laughs> an M4 assault. She rifle. looks good. <clears throat> yeah. She, she handles herself well. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic performance from her. Uh, I love the fact that, you know, you had mentioned earlier that it's a, a team of, you know, is it, is it five women that go in there? Yes. But yeah, it's a, it's a team of five women of, you know, varying skills and walks of life and everything like that. Uh, you know, complex layered characters, but it does, it, the, the film, the script, Garland, I mean, none of them, you know, no other character in the movie. Uh, it, it's never, they don't make a big deal of the fact that it's all women. Right. Uh, it, it just is, which is great. Uh, you know, it, because it, it, I think that if they had done that, then the movie would have been about, you know, oh, look how amazing it is that these women are doing this. And instead, it, you know, it, because they don't do that, uh, it, you know, it allows so much of the other, you know, complexities of these characters to really come more to the forefront and, uh, you're, you're able to, to invest more of, you know, of your thoughts and, you know, watching them as they evolve, uh, <laughs> both as characters and literally evolve in some cases. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, hand, hands off to Garland for for being able to pull that off. A couple things. One, uh, this is based on a book, although from what I understand, the movie takes a lot of liberties with the book. However, the sex of the main characters is not one of them. It's also five women that enter. It's it, the right. ac- the actual shimmer is called Area X in the book, from what I understand, although I haven't read it. And I also like how the movie just kind of sh- the, the movie, like you say, the movie doesn't even make a big deal of it. Uh, there's like one line where it's like, uh, it's all women. And it's like, well, we sent all men in before that didn't work. So let's try this. <laughs> and that, you know, no, right. no other mention is made of it. And, and uh, Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Lee, Tessa Thompson. So at least three of those women are played by actresses. I think you and I really, really like. Oh yeah. By far. Um, Gina Rodriguez and Tuva Novotny are the other two, but I'm not as familiar with their work. I don't believe that I am familiar with them. I, but yeah, um, I would like to be. I would definitely like to be after 
after watching this. It's, uh, it's a good movie. I'm, I haven't decided if it's great yet. I, th- I think it might be great, and then I'm not sure. I, I, I think I've decided I don't like it as much as I like Ex Machina. I, I think, I mean, Ex Machina, I think, ultimately has, I don't know, it just, it kind of tickles my centers a bit more, uh, just, you know, with the type of story that it's telling, uh, and the way that it tells it. Uh, but this is, I, I think that this movie is low key great, if that makes sense. It's great in its own ways. It doesn't, like, I'm, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if this is ever going to make, you know, anyone's top, 50 movies of all time list, but uh, it, it it's not trying to. Uh, it's definitely just trying to be very good at what it is. I mean, what and what it and, is? And listen, let me that. tell you what it is. It's big, heady, thoughtful science fiction, sort of in the vein of 2001 or any it, any number of big. It is any any number of big idea <laughs> mindfuck science fiction movies. I mean, that's what it's shooting for. It, and, it's shooting for being thought provoking and for being evocative. Uh, I mean, it's it's much more focused on eliciting, you know, mood and settling into a tone uh, and just, you know, making the viewer uneasy at pretty much every turn. Uh, hugely successful at that. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 very much. I mean, uh, there's some nightmare fuel in this movie. I mean, there are scenes that are terrifying. I it was. Oh, man, I <laughs> I'm really glad that I don't get nightmares anymore. <laughs> Because that bear and the screaming the sound, that it did, the sound that, that it makes, that alone, uh, I mean that that scene alone is why everybody needs to see it in the theater. Yeah. Uh, because just hearing that in full surround sound, uh, it will go will absolutely go down as you know one of the most memorable parts of one of the most memorable experiences of, of watching a movie this year. I will say the. Probably the biggest knock I have against it, and maybe you disagree with me here because you already mentioned the complex characters. I think past Natalie Portman, I don't think the characters are that complex. I It's like each character gets like one thing, and we're going to get into spoiler territory here. So if you I mean, if you want to go see an Annihilation and come back and listen to the rest of this, please go do so. We're going to be getting into spoilers a little bit more. But like... You know, Jennifer Jason Lee is the one who's dying of cancer and doesn't care if she lives. Tessa Thompson is the cutter. It's you know what I mean? It's like they all have sort of one little thing that makes them damaged goods. And then it's just kind of left up to the actresses to develop the character any further than that. And I think some of the actresses are more successful than others. I mean, yeah, they they I think it possibly I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little torn because it's like I think part of what makes the movie so work so well is that it's so focused in the way that it is uh i mean there's no real fat anywhere on this movie uh you know there's no real digressions or anything like that it's pretty slow moving uh, though maybe it, deliberately it, it, so it it is um it's slow but it never feels slow uh because there's always i mean there's always something new that's being discovered uh you know some uh some something new that's coming up you know within the group uh, you know, or some new place that they are, or something new that they've discovered, uh, some new revelation or whatever. You know, so it's it's slow, but it's never it never feels like it's dragging its feet. Uh, I, I it, just think it's deliberately paced on purpose, and I think it works. For it the, is. I think it works for the story being told. No, yeah, I I, yeah, it, I have no problems ha- with the pacing of this movie, but I can understand that it would not be for everybody. I kind of I I want to say that I disagree a little bit that they're not complex. 
you know, yeah, they, you are left to, or the actresses are kind of left to, you know, fill in the gaps as it were, you know, with their performances and, you know, line delivery and just kind of their body language to kind of extrapolate beyond those individual qualities that you kind of pointed out. But none of, none of them fit a stereotype necessarily. I mean, I'll, Gina Rodriguez's character is probably the only one that really comes close to, you know, fitting some kind of, uh, you know, archetype or whatever, you know, just kind of being the, the hard badass or whatever, mm. you know, but every, everybody else just kind of, you know, they occupy their own space. Uh, they're they're fine i mean it's not my favorite tessa thompson performance <laughs> no it's, it's not not even although close it is, <laughs> um, it, although it is i mean you know props to her i mean there's nothing i mean th- this isn't even close to being you know valkyrie or her character from creed or whatever i mean right. she you know she definitely does a great job of, of making this her own and it's you know, if you weren't very familiar with her work, you, you wouldn't be able to, oh, that's Tessa Thompson. Yeah, right, you would have no idea that that person's a movie star. Right. Which she's close to now, if not already. She's definitely on her way. Yeah. Uh, Natalie Portman is very good in it, though. And, I mean, I love Natalie Portman. I'm sure you love Natalie Portman. We all love Natalie Portman. She's one of the best actresses of her generation. And I love seeing her in sort of a big science fiction movie like this that's not a Star Wars prequel. <laughs> My, she, she is fantastic in this. I mean, it's, it's definitely, uh, well, I'm trying to think of the last movie that I even saw her in, uh, other than Black Swan. I was going mean, to say, her last just, great it, film it, is probably Black Swan. All right. Oh, oh, gee, okay. Let's see. I'm, I'm looking at IMDb right now. And God, when, when was Black Swan? Black Swan what year was that? was 2010. Um, since then, she's done, oh my God. she's done a couple Thor movies. She did the Terrence Malick film Night of Cups, which I haven't seen. Oh, geez. I totally forgot she was in. I totally. I saw No Strings Attached in the theater. I saw. Actually, I've seen most of the. Good Lord. I've seen so many of these movies and I have forgotten them. Yeah. It's, uh, Thor is terrible. Your Highness was terrible. Thor is not terrible. Thor is, Thor is the worst to, I don't want to fight movie. about Thor again. We fight about Thor so much. Um, Night of Cups, I have given up on Terrence Malick, so I will probably never watch Terrence, Night of Cups. Terrence Malick has lost the plot. Uh, he said. really has. I do want to see Jackie, though, because she looked really good in that. Um, I, listen, I haven't seen about half of these movies, but I think it's fair to say Annihilation is probably her biggest success at least from the genre from the genre certainly, capacity since cer- certainly in that since uh in that respect she's really good my actually it's really it's frustrating because uh you know my big complaint with this um i think the thing that doesn't work the most i mean you got you got the interrogation interludes which are completely unnecessary there um, are rumors that those come from studio notes which I, I don't doubt that for one second. I mean that certain that one hundred percent seems. Do you like uh, do you like or dislike the time shifting overall? Because not only are there the the interrogation stuff, but we so also get flashes it, back to her life before she enters the shimmer. The the flashbacks to her bedroom work in terms of fleshing out like the themes and everything. I mean it's those those works way better in terms of you know. Uh, helping you understand the characters and, you know, her character specifically. But I, and I never thought that I would say this. I 
she and Oscar Isaac do not have very good chemistry in this movie. Well, to be fair, her character is cheating on Oscar Isaac's character, yeah, so maybe yes. it's not supposed to be perfect chemistry. But well, it's, it's not. But it's like, yeah, that, I mean that that is a valid point. But it's still just, I don't know. Like, well, if, just, I'm, I'm, it if, doesn't. If, look, if you're gonna make that accusation, we're blaming Natalie Portman because we ain't blaming Oscar Isaac. I would have chemistry with Oscar <laughs> Isaac. You would have chemistry with Oscar <laughs> Isaac. So uh, it just there a lot of their stuff like just didn't it just didn't have the level of emotion and intensity that it was clearly going for. If uh, I told it's, you it's, it's, that, it's not it's not bad, but it's just it's not it's not what it needed to be. But I will say I mean Oscar Isaac is probably my favorite actor. I, of I his, was just of his say, I was gonna say if I said Oscar Isaac is the best actor working today, which I think I believe you would say he's he's at least the best young actor working today. And he's to be clear, he's a sort of a supporting role in this. He doesn't play as big a part as Natalie Portman or some of the women do. But but he's in it. more. He than doesn't. I, he's in it but, more than I thought he was going to be in it, considering he gets the and Oscar Isaac billing. It's not top billing. It's more like a oh Oscar Isaac's right. going to do a favor for his buddy, the director, and just show up in a couple scenes. Right. He's in it a decent uh, amount. He, He's he's what's amazing is he's essentially playing three different characters. Mm-hmm. But what's amazing what will what will never fail to impress me about his style uh and just what he brings to a role is that like he can completely change his persona just by like s- like changing his hairstyle and then like you know holding his eyebrows in a certain way. It's it's incredible. I mean, I dare anybody to watch Either of the Star Wars movies, Ex Machina and Inside Lewin Davis, back to back to back, and try to tell me he's not top three at any rate. It's like he can do Star Wars and just turn on the movie star charm and just sort of coast well, and kind of just do the looks and the charm and all that, and then switch to something that's not like Inside Lewin Davis where it's all internal, and it's just, it's amazing. Well, and he does, I mean, it's it's amazing what he does with so... Really, I mean, it's pretty limited screen time here, right. and so a lot of it. He's very good in a small, smallish part. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. So, I mean, it, yeah. Um, you were talking about the movie thematically, and that's maybe another thing. I maybe I just miss the themes, but I don't know if this movie was strong thematically. I kind of read the stuff about how it could be. Like I said, uh, it's about basically the cell, these girls, these women's cells turning against them. And so it could be read as sort of a metaphor for cancer or sickness. I think that's a kind of a valid, interesting reading. Uh, something I kind of came up with in the theater. I also think it's interesting, and I don't know if we call this theme, but in my mind, the movie is basically a fantasy film. I mean, it's about a group of warriors traveling through this bizarre exotic land on a quest for a tower. That's the movie. And that's a fantasy film. It just so happens to be covered in, you know, science fiction terminology and has a heavy horror element. But it's kind of like a fantasy movie in disguise. And I kind of I kind of enjoyed that. But past those two things, I don't know if this movie has a strong thematic component other than it's going to be a mind fuck. Like that's its mission. It wants to fuck it, with your head. It doesn't have anything heavy to say past that. I I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. Well, I mean, what are the I, themes? The, Tell me what the themes are cuz I, I don't know. It, I I it's it's about it's about uh you know coming to terms with uh with grief with 
you know, with em, yeah, empowerment and it's, I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of it, I think, I think Natalie Portman at the, you know, at the end, she's literally being suffocated by herself. Yeah. Essentially. There, there, it, there, there is that theme of sort of self hate and how you deal with that yeah. when your life and your body or your circumstances in the world aren't what because, you want them to be. I, I, that's valid. That sort of course is because like, because everybody in that group, uh, is going through something, right? You know, like they're, they're had, I mean, they, they all went in there for their own reasons. Uh, they all have things that they keep to themselves, you know, and they're all overcome in, in, you know, in various ways. Again, I can say this is not a, a thematically as strong movie as Ex Machina, which deals with what it means to be human and playing God and all that, you know, heavy hitter stuff. Possibly. I mean, I this is see, this is one of those things that like I I, I don't know that I can say that definitively because I really need to I need to see it again. Well, of course. Now I mean, we'll need, now, to, we'll need now, to read some other takes on the movie, which I haven't read that many. I just saw uh, it last night. I just saw it last night. Right. So I mean, now uh, now that I now that I know what it is, and you know, I can kind of sort out what it's going for. But yeah, I mean, I I think that this is you know, again, this is a movie where each each character uh, kind of takes those things, takes those burdens that they walked in there with, and uh, adjusts and reacts to them in in individual ways. So. Annihilation is a gorgeous film, which I think deserves to be seen on the big screen. Unfortunately, not everybody will get the chance to because the studio decided just to dump it onto Netflix outside of North America. And honestly, maybe they were right to do so because the film has tanked in North America. It opened in like fourth place to $10 million or something. So is that a bummer? Are you surprised? Uh, no, I'm not surprised. I mean, this is the kind of the fact that this movie even got made uh, within the studio system is kind of amazing. Right. It's nuts. What's well, off mean, the this... strength of, cause everybody loved ex machina. It's basically right. that bought Garland one film and he used it on this. Uh, I mean, this, this is not the kind of movie uh, that we, that we really just get anymore that, you know, that, that tries these, uh, you know, these, these daring things. Uh, uh, and is and is explicitly audience unfriendly. Oh, it is. You know, it, you know, it is. It's not. Uh, you know, it's it's asking you to actively engage with it. You know, I'm just <laughs> so, look, just saying it's going to be too smart for a lot of people. It is. Um, I I don't know that it. Come on, Stu, be... insult the people. Don't be afraid to insult. No, I, not I our listeners. Because, our listeners well, will get it. I don't. I don't think it's trying to be. You know, too smart for people. I, I think it's just it is what it is, and I think some people are going to overthink it. Like there, some people will think that it's too smart for them. Actually, is is kind of how I feel. I feel like because it's all there. I mean, it's not hiding anything from I you. I feel like in the dumb version of this movie, we would have seen it's it's Tessa Thompson who grows flat, turns into a plant at the at the end of her story right i think it's that's that the story. heavy that's the heavy implication yeah right i think in the dumb version of this movie that would have been super explicit we would have had some ridiculous cgi something along those lines instead you know she just kind of gives a little speech walks, well, you walks away but, past the trees and you get a split second blink of maybe some foliage growing out of her arms and it's again it's mostly just insinuated if, 
if this were, you know, if if the studio had, if the studio had had more control over this, uh, yeah, the body horror element of of her evolving would have been way it would have been played up way more way more explicit. She would have like she would have been like constantly trying to hide it from everybody, and right. then they would have found it, right. and then there would have been this big you know big scene, and then you would right. have seen her like literally turn into a uh, you know, a, a shrubbery person. And instead, and instead, and I approve of this, I think this is the right way to go in a movie like this. It's all basically just alluded to. And like, it is. And if you blink well, during it, that split second shot and you're not thinking along with this movie, you may not even get it. Well, and it, it turns it from something that, that is shocking and disconcerting into uh, really one of the film's more beautiful moments. Right. Like, like I love that transition from, you know, you see that that brief shot of, you know, the flowers and the grass, mm-hmm. uh, you know, growing out of her forearm, you know, and then it it cuts to Natalie Portman, you know, running through, <laughs> running through that little passage and into the clearing. And then you're just kind of left to, you know, left. It's left to your imagination what happened. And it just ends up being this. And she's just gone. Very, it's, it's not like there's a yeah, slow zoom just, onto a plant that looks like her. It's just, right. that, it's it's just, just that she's gone. She's part of the show right. now. It's just this intimate, uh, very calm, uh, serene moment. And it, I mean, yeah, I can't think of it's... I I can't think of anything like that. And and that's what it, that's what I'm I'm kind of go back to thinking about it thematically. I mean, it's you know acceptance is part of uh, you know acceptance of of what has happened to you. Acceptance of uh, you know, who you are and, and, you know, where you're going and, you know, what your trauma has turned you into, uh, because it, I, I don't think it's a, you know, it's certainly not a mistake that he shows, uh, you know, that foliage growing out of where she cut herself. Right. All right. I'll buy that too. I'm going to buy that and say, okay, you're right. Maybe there is enough going on. <laughs> I don't know if it's an uh, overly thematic movie brimming it's, with ideas, it, but it, it has it enough going on. Like I said, it, it doesn't, it just, it is what it is. It doesn't beat you over the head mm-hmm. at all uh, with any of this. And that's, that's part of what I mean when I say it's just, it's there, you know, there's the movie isn't hiding anything from you. And that's why I think some people are going to think that the movie is, is smarter than they are trying to be too smart or whatever. It's just, you know, you just, you have to, you just have to pay a bit more attention than you might normally uh, in uh, I will say it's a gorgeous movie. I hope people who like science fiction, get to see it on the big screen and they should go see it on the big screen before it's gone. Uh, yeah, it's not a shock that it's, it's probably it's, coming. It's, it's not, probably coming to Netflix in like a month. It's well, like I said, if you live in England, you can watch it on yeah, Netflix right there. now. <laughs> so, um, right. So, uh, but I, I think, I mean, Terrence and I were on this podcast a couple weeks ago talking about, uh, the Cloverfield paradox, which is actually very similar to this movie. It's sort of like a, it's dealing with big ideas and wants to be this trippy science fiction movie. But where this film is largely successful, the Cloverfield Paradox is a nightmare. Not good. Not in a good way. It's a disaster. That's a movie that feels like junk that kind of should get dumped on Netflix. Whereas Annihilation and I, and Annihilation feels like, okay, this is a, this is a film film. Go see it on a big screen with the surround sound jacked up. It's, it's a good movie. Um, I'm, I'm kind of wavering between, three and a half and four stars for it. I keep going back and forth. You higher than that on a five star scale. I I'd give it, I'd give it at least four stars. Uh, I gave, I gave Blade Runner 2049, four stars. And I definitely like Blade Runner better. Although I think I may have maybe underrated that one on first viewing, but, um, 
It's good. Uh, 2049 gets five stars from me. That it's probably I want to I'm going to watch 2049 again, but I'm not going to be shocked if I bump it up to four and a half because I still think about that movie. I still think about it. it. it it's a phenomenal movie. Um, this film. It, this, yeah, okay, so here's no. So here's what here's what's interesting. So like, remember when 2049 got announced and everyone was like, oh, who needs a Blade Runner sequel? I know. Uh, and at the same time, it's like, oh, you know, Duncan Jones working on Mute, you know, right. Blade Runner-esque. You know, good thing we'll have that because 2049 is probably going to suck. Wrong. And now it's just like, <laughs> like who could have who seen that reversal right. coming? And if Blade Runner is going to tank, which it did, you know, despite being having the Blade Runner name and having Harrison Ford and Ryan Gosling, if it's going to tank, Annihilation has no chance. No chance. But I'm I'm happy it got made. People should see it. It, people should absolutely see it. I'm ecstatic that it got made. You know, it exists. It will continue to exist. And I think, I think that time is going to be extremely kind to this movie. It's going to find an audience. Uh, you know, it's going to get discussed a lot. I think over the, you know, over the coming years. I mean, it's yeah. Do you want to move on from a movie that made no money to a movie that's made all the money? <laughs> God, this movie is making all the money. So Black Panther, I should apologize to our listeners. We we Black Panther was supposed to get its own show in like a week or two ago, but I got really sick, and so we kept having to postpone. But it's such a cultural juggernaut. I still wanted to talk about it a little bit, which is why we right, decided so, to do yeah, a twofer. I guess preface this with you know apologies because it's two white guys talking yeah. about Black Panther. It, it, I know. I'm not well, sure. Listen, I'm not sure that anybody necessarily. I was, I was, that, but I, I just, I just want to talk about it because I love the movie. I was totally, I, we, I, you know, I was working on getting a minority co-podcaster for that episode. And then once I got sick, it just, I just kind of fell by the wayside. So I, I apologize for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's okay. We can be two white guys talking about Black Panther. Um, I, I don't claim to have, I mean, if you haven't read some phenomenal takes on this movie, they're out there, find them, uh, read them. They're incredibly eye opening. I, uh, I have two questions uh, for you up front. Uh, the first question is, are, well, first of all, are you, I mean, this movie is going to make more than The Last Jedi, it looks like. It may make more than The Avengers to be the highest grossing Marvel Studios film. I, th- I think it will. Are you surprised by this? Uh, having seen the movie, no, I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, I'm if, shocked. If you, if you, if shocked. you had told, if you had told me that, uh, before I had seen the movie, I might be a little surprised, but having seen it, no. I think this is Marvel's best film, just as a film. Well, that's ludicrous, but we'll get into uh, that later. You know, I this is this is just an exceptionally well made, well performed, well realized piece of of cultural action cinema. Uh, you know, this is just this is and combine that with it hitting at just the absolute perfect time culturally mm-hmm. uh you know i think i think that if this movie uh had been you know if a black panther movie had come out you know like wesley snipes was for years trying to get a uh a uh a black panther movie made and he came close apparently uh working with john singleton on it and uh they just they couldn't like Snipes wanted to, you know, go full wakanda and you know, you know, afrofuturism the time wasn't All- right yet well, it, it not not necessarily Tom wasn't right, but like Singleton wanted to make it like super urban and Lame. like I mean set it in terrible set it in uh you know in California and it's like that that just and Snipes is just like no that's that's missing the whole 
point and appeal of the character. So that kind of, you know, fell apart. And so like if, you know, if, if a Black Panther movie had been made back in the, you know, late eighties, early nineties, uh, early to mid nineties like that, I mean, it would have, it would have just kind of come and gone and been laughed, right. laughed Here, off like every other. Here's you know, why I said it might not be the time yet, because I think it carries more weight being a part of the MCU, a part of this giant juggernaut that's important to a lot of people. I mean, we've had black superheroes before. We had Steel. We had Blade, which obviously has its fans. But those movies that were never going to have the cultural cachet of like a crown jewel installment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And to get that, to get that from a black filmmaker with a nearly all black cast, you kind of need that combination to have this be the cultural impact that that you wanted it to be. Well, no, I I definitely agree with that, and I think you know. All right, so this what makes this movie part of what makes this movie so good. Uh, in addition to just a phenomenal cast and great writing and great director, um, you know, this is Marvel has this stuff down to a science, in a way. Uh, which makes it sound more calculating, but I mean, like, they know how to make these movies. They know how to make them well. They've been doing it for, you know, for 10 years now. And this is, this is, you know, Kevin Feige and company taking all of that amassed knowledge and then putting it into the hands of, of a director who I am, in some ways, this has got to be what it was like to watch. Spielberg work when he was young. I mean, just a, a guy who knows what he wants, knows what he wants to say, knows how to say it, uh, and just does it in a way that is just the, that is absolutely phenomenal. Now, granted, I mean, I don't, I don't think any of the movies that Ryan Coogler has made are necessarily as good as Raiders of the Lost Ark or Jaws, but I mean, he is, I think he has it in him to be every bit as talented. Uh, as Spielberg is. And so, I mean, it's just, you know, taking that amassed knowledge about how to make these films that clearly connect with the culture, clearly connect with audiences, uh, and funneling it into, uh, by far the most unique collection of, of characters, the most unique setting that the MCU has ever had, uh, and letting that that team, that crew, that director, those actors bring it all to life. I mean, that, I think that's a, a huge part. Uh, you know, th- they could not have started with Black Panther. No. You know, they, they just, they could not have. Uh, you could say you know, that about a lot. I mean, you could say that about a I mean, lot. I mean, they weren't, they well, couldn't have started with Guardians of the Galaxy. They couldn't have started well, with I mean, Doctor Strange. You know, Black, they... I mean, Black Panther, in, in his defense, I mean, Black, Black Panther is pretty standalone. You don't necessarily. Yeah, for a Marvel you know, film, it's incredibly standalone. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I think that, I mean, it just, there, there is a level of skill that is apparent here, uh, you know, that has been built up too. And I think that that's, you know, that's a huge part of why this movie is so good. All right. I have some thoughts. One. Yeah. I am surprised. Now I knew it was going to be huge. Um, I knew that there was obviously an enormous pent up demand within the black community that we're going to support this film and plus you're putting in all the fanboys are going to see it because it's part of the mcu so i mean i always assumed it was going to do i was thinking guardians numbers it was going to do like guardians of the galaxy maybe guardians of the galaxy volume two numbers maybe but you know maybe maybe 400 million 
And and then once the uh, tracking came in and it looked like it was going to open huge, it's like, okay, maybe it's definitely going to do $400 million. Maybe it's going to do $450. But the fact that it's probably going to – the fact that it's at $430 million already in two and a half weeks and it's going to make more than Star Wars movies and all the other Marvel movies, I mean, I, I could have never predicted. That's insane. It's awesome. It's fantastic. And that that's my next point, which is, is it wrong, Stu, that I think I enjoy – seeing the celebration around the film more than I enjoyed the actual film? Um, I don't know that it's wrong. I mean, everybody enjoys what they enjoy and they, you know, in the way that they enjoy it. And, and um, let me be clear here. I like Black Panther. Some of you already know this. Again, the movie's been out for three weeks. I have a print review up at Cult Spark if you're interested to go read it. I like Black Panther. I think it's good. I agree with everything Stu said about Ryan Coogler. I think he's absolutely one of the top five most exciting directors working today. Uh, I do like this the least out of his three films. Uh, I think it's, I gave my, I gave it three and a half stars in my review. It might be because I'm suffering a little bit of comic book fatigue. It might be because I think this movie just kind of turns into a CG mess in the last half hour, like so many of these things do. Which Marvel had been pretty good about avoiding lately, but they go back to it with this movie when there's fucking CGI rhinos and 300 people on the screen at one time. Uh, I don't, like the action sequences all that well actually i wasn't a huge fan of the black panther killmonger throwdown on on the train tracks on the underground train tracks that part is that is definitely the least interesting uh fight scene in the whole thing yeah there's also the, uh, there's also the two fights by the waterfall which are like it, it's yeah there's two of them that are very similar and in the exact same location um, so I th- I like the movie. I think it's really good, and I fully admit that it might be me suffering some comic book fatigue because I didn't like Thor Ragnarok as much as everyone else did either. But I think they could do better. I think there's a better Black Panther movie out there. I know I told you I think this movie has a little bit of a problem where all the supporting characters are more interesting than the actual fucking Black Panther, who See, that, was really that I, that I disagree. He with. was I, really dy- can... he was really dynamic in Civil War and brought a ton to that movie. And in this movie, I he's kind of anchoring it, I guess, but. I mean, Michael B. Jordan. Everything. And, okay, so here, here's a lot why. of fun stuff going on around him, and he's just kind of playing the straight man, which is maybe the point. But well, it it is kind of the point. It's like everybody, everybody that that T'Challa interacts with is a reflection of who. I mean, the whole movie is about him deciding who he is going to be as king. Mm-hmm. I mean that 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 is the that is the through line of the whole movie. Right. It's what drives every decision that he makes. Like everything that he does is him deciding, you know, it's, all right, this is I, this, this is me planting the seeds of my legacy here. And I'm going to admit uh, that I maybe and so so Kugler everybody didn't get me as super interested in that as maybe I hoped he would. Uh, and so like so everybody, every, like literally every other character is a reflection of choices that he could make, things that he can do, priorities you know, as King. And so it's, it's him reacting to all of that, observing. And then the, it all culminates, you know, at the end when he, I mean, at the, at the end of the, his fight with Killmonger, you know, when he decides, you know, I, I really wish, I really wish that they had, had put, um, that, uh, UN speech, uh, into the movie rather than as a stinger. Right. Right. Rather than as a stinger. Cause it's like, wait, no, that's, it's like a key. It's like the it's resolution a, right. a, for. That's a huge part. Of I agree with that. Literally, what it's been building up to. Um. So, but yeah, I mean that it's it is 
uh, subdued. Um, it's certainly not as big as you would expect from uh, a movie like this, but I, you know, I appreciate that it's, uh, you know, he's, <laughs> Bozeman's performance here is incredibly internalized, uh, but you see what's, what's going on in his mind and just the way that he carries himself and his eyes, uh, you know, and just, it's, it's, I mean, look, he's fine. He's good. I'm not knocking him. It's just more about the way the movie's constructed. And just when you sound him with, I mean, Michael B. Jordan, who if we want to talk about the best young actors working today, somebody who could potentially compete with Oscar Isaac. Michael B. Jordan is there. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o, who's amazing, who I wish got all of Martin Freeman's screen time, because I think Martin Freeman, who I actually love a lot, you, you guys know, Stu, you know, I'm like the biggest champion of the Hobbit movies in the North American territory. Which I don't understand. I he's, will never he's, understand. he's not good in Black Panther. Okay, he's here's, not. here's, and here's my, here's my beat. It has to do with, uh, with Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman's fine in this. He's not. Uh, it should, He's uh, he's I mean he's not bad he's just there. There's like that no need, charisma there. I want Lupita Nyong'o to have all his stuff it, in the movie. It needed it, like I get why they had his character there, uh, but it needed to be Coulson. There is yeah. literally no reason that Coulson could not have been. Who's in that alive part. in the MCU? Kevin Feige can try to pretend he's not, but he is. I still watch Agents of Shield. He's kicking. I see him. <laughs> <laughs> like for one, I just like I just miss. Colson as a character uh i you know i loved every he's every on every time. friday night still <laughs> uh, who gives a shit about i give a shit no one that's cares the only marvel tv show i still watch it's the last one standing netflix no i'm done i'm not watching cloak and dagger and that shit but agents of shield i'm still there dude no <laughs> one cares about agents of shield no one uh dana guerrera i'm probably pronouncing her name wrong we'll just call her michonne she's tremendous in this movie uh, she's fantastic. Uh, if they had said, "Hey, stick around. We've got a ninety-minute uh, Dora Milaje." We, yeah, we've, we've got a ninety-minute Dora Milaje movie uh, that you can watch now. I'll be like, "Okay, I'm not moving." Like, I, I, I will watch as much of that character uh, as yeah. as they will ever give me. She's great. The, uh, the guy that plays uh, Mbaku is great. The the leader of the other tribe, the fifth tribe. Yeah, he's he's great. Um, like I, it is an imperative, an imperative that either in Infinity War or whatever the movie is that comes after Infinity War, that's the second part or, you know, whatever they end up doing with it. Uh, we have to have a moment where Shuri just absolutely schools yeah. Tony Stark in, in tech. Like and Banner. Has she has to show up Stark and Banner in the same scene. She's great. Letitia's great in the movie. I agree entirely. Um, so no knocks against the cast, except for the white guys, because I didn't like Martin Freeman. And I know you guys are big on Andy Serkis in the movie, but I thought it was kind of I, I like Andy Serkis. It's like he was I, trying to it's like he was trying to munch up scenery and it wasn't really working for me. Uh, it's it's really interesting that his I mean, he's always more compelling when he's doing motion capture. Yeah. So. Which I. I that can't be because of ability. That just has to be because his motion capture stuff has ended up in really tremendous roles and tremendous films. Well, I th- and some I of his live that... action stuff, he hasn't had as good of a part or uh, hasn't been. As good yeah, of a part. I mean, it just I I think his his motion capture stuff for one allows him to just immerse himself that much more uh, into the roles that he's playing. But two, yeah, I mean, I I don't think he really uh, this is going to sound weird. I don't think he cares as much. 
about the live action stuff. And so he's just, he's not as invested. I mean, he doesn't, it's not like he's, he doesn't try. He's just like, he's in there mugging and, and just like being over the top. Cause I mean, you know, you look at this and then, I mean, maybe the mugging, listen, you, maybe the mugging and the over the top, he's just used to it because that's what's required for the motion capture. It, it is, it is what's required for motion capture stuff. But I mean, I, I'd, I'd say that, you know, Caesar is incredibly more nuanced than Ulysses Claw would ever be. Uh, you know, just in terms of characters. And so I, I think he just, like, he goes for broader stuff when he's, uh, you know, when it's completely live action. You know, like, you look, you look at this and then you look at, like, uh, I forget the, whatever the, whatever the character's name he played in, in, uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong. Right, right. I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot of daylight between those two characters. Mm. I mean, they're just, you know, they they deal with thick accents and just, you know, weird facial expressions and, you know, and that's pretty much the extent of the character. We haven't even mentioned Forrest Whitaker or Angela Bassett. So, I mean, this, I is, was, a, this is a really good cast. I was surprised that Forrest Whitaker was in this as much as he is. Mm-hmm. And which, I mean, that's, hey, I will always take as much Forrest Whitaker as you will give me. Hey, this is a better film than Rogue One, so good for him. Yeah, <laughs> so, yes, it is. Uh... So you, but he's I, in he's in Rebels now, which is great. Yeah, you gotta get uh, Rebels. I know you haven't been able to watch these. I know. Oh, there's so much it's insane so shit. I could spoil. I could tell you stuff right now that if you're unspoiled would blow your mind. Still, I Bob, <laughs> if you spoiled me on I, that, there I would, are like there I'm are, I'm there I'm are, not usually <laughs> I'm not usually like I'm not one to really get mad about spoilers. Uh, you know, because I'm I'm of the thought that like if if you know, if your story is so reliant on plot information that you can't enjoy it, if you know what's going to happen, then it's bad. I but see, I, I, will, I will that, literally, like, I will literally fly to your hometown, find you, and beat the ever-loving crap out of you if you spoil this story. <laughs> there are voices that appear in the next the last episode that are going to surprise just, you just no just stop just stop stop okay that's it that's it i, I shut don't up. I, I don't want to know shut up. i shut up okay um so i've said i like black panther uh i think it's in the bottom half of marvel movies for me which i know everyone thinks i'm crazy for it's really good i like basically all the marvel movies except for iron man 2 so that's no knock i think they're all pretty great maybe i'll enjoy it more on second viewing but you you have this near the top right I, I this is top three uh, Marvel Com- for competing me. Competing with Winter Soldier. Oh jeez. Civil War. Um, Guardians. I I would probably God top three. Oh man, that's hard. Uh, Winter Soldier is definitely in there. Oh man, Civil it's hard War? for me. It's okay, hard but, for me to pick. But it up you're putting this. This you're saying this is in contention to be near the top. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I think I might just be having Marvel fatigue a little bit. I hope Infinity War blows me away. Uh, how about this? Name your, give me your three favorite villains in the MCU. Uh, well, I mean, obviously the top two obviously are Loki and Killmonger. Uh, I think Killmonger might be the best one. I think the top I, three, I, in some order, not this order, but in some order, are Loki, Killmonger, and and Vulture. And I, yeah, that'd be, that'd be I, top three. I think Vulture, easily. I think Vulture might be my favorite, but I don't know if that's because I just love the concept of a blue collar working class supervillain in the MCU, just trying plus to look Michael out for Keaton. his family. Plus, I'm a gigantic fucking Michael Keaton homer. 
I, I think <clears throat> Killmonger, here's why I put Killmonger as the best villain. He is, number one, it's, it's a phenomenal performance. Uh, phenomenal. From Mike, from Michael B. Jordan. There is a level of investment in that character, uh, that, you know, not even Tom Hiddleston, uh, reached uh, at at the apex of you know Loki's stuff. And Loki feels like a comic book villain. Killmonger he, feels he like a real dude with right. a real I mean, chip the, on his shoulder you, that you, came from a could, real place. You could put Killmonger in a grounded, you know, gritty military film, and you wouldn't have to change anything. Killmonger is much closer in tone, I think, to Vulture than he is to Loki as far as uh, realism. Yeah. And, 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 you know, whatever, you know, if you hear me talking about this movie and it sounds like I'm a little negative, trust me when I tell you Killmonger is amazing and totally, no matter how you feel about the rest of the movie, it's worth going to see Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. It's amazing. And even though I don't like their final fight very much, at the end of it, when he drags him out on the cliff to see the sun setting, I think it's setting. It's either rising or setting. Is it rising or setting in that scene, Stu? It's setting. That scene is fucking incredible. It's well, incredible. His, his last line is like, that is an all timer of a line. Oh, like that is yeah, yeah. that is one of that is one of the great movie lines, I think. I mean, it's yeah. just good lord. I mean the the context that it has, uh the the delivery of it, the weight of it, uh and just the writing of it. I mean, I, I've never heard a line like that. I mean that is You better give amazing. people the line now after you build it all up so they know what you're talking about. <laughs> Can you quote it verbatim? Do you remember? Oh, it's um. Oh, jeez. Because I know which one you're talking about, I, but like, I haven't seen I, the movie in a month. I I know what it is, but I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to butcher it. Like I I can hear it in my head. Oh, jeez. He says, uh, "Bury me in the ocean with my ancestors who jumped from the ships because they knew death was better than bondage." Mm, there you go. Is that it? That sounds. Like uh, yeah, that. Is, no, that is it. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to butcher that. It's uh, uh, it's and, it's a great scene. It's a great line. There are some people out there that kind of get swayed by Killmonger in this movie and maybe think he's on the side of right and maybe not the villain. And we're two we're two white guys who maybe don't deserve to talk about this. But how do you feel about I, that? I think that's stupid. I think his motivation, his motivation is correct. Uh, his methods and his ultimate goals are completely wrong. Um. Nakia is who has the right end goal in mind. Uh, you know, Nakia's, Nakia wants to open up, uh, Wakanda and reveal Wakanda, Wakanda to the world, uh, to benefit it. I mean, to enrich everyone, to, you know, to share what they, what they know and what they can do. Killmonger basically just wants to become another imperial nation. Right. I mean, he just, you know, it's just, it's him flipping the script. It's like his anger is valid. It's, it's just he's right. pushing it in the wrong way. Right. I mean, his, yeah, he is, he is absolutely just in his motivation and reasoning. Uh, but what he wants to do and how he wants to do it is just completely, no, nah, it's just completely wrong. And sort of on that tangent, I will agree. It's a very thoughtful movie. It might be the deepest, uh, most thematically heavy Marvel movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, again, I just, I kind of wish the action met the performances and sort of the thematic stuff going on in the background, but, Obviously, for most people, the performances and the thematic stuff is enough. I am really happy that, you know, all my friends who are black and who are comic book fans and who have been waiting for this 
I'm glad they've got this movie. Like, like I said, I, I've had such a good time just looking at pictures on the internet of people who dressed up to go see it and sort of African tribal designs and it's just seeing the joy that around this movie is it's one, no matter, no matter how strong a film I think it is, it's just wonderful. Uh, I love Ryan Coogler. This does nothing to dissuade me from thinking he's one of the best directors working today. I don't think this film's as strong as Creed or Fruitville Station, but my God, if Black Panther's your worst movie, you're doing something right. Right. All right. So you asked for, all right, here, I'll give you, I'll give you my, my top five. Okay. Uh, MCU movies. Okay. Uh, the, so Winter Soldier, Definitely. Black Panther, okay. Iron Man 3, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy probably at number five, uh, and then uh, uh, I'd probably put Civil War up in there too. All right, so ours are, except for Black Panther, ours are – because I go Guardians, Civil War – Original Avengers, Winter Soldier, and then probably Iron Man three. See the the original Avengers just has too much chaff in that first at least the first half. Oh, uh, I you know what I, I agree that the first half hour of the Avengers is kind it, of a nightmare. The first, but everything after that's so good. I like it's just oh my god, there it is so clunky. And I mean, it just it it is so fortunate that we love these characters by that point. You know what? You're gonna yell at me, but my number five might be Doctor Strange. I'm a big Doctor Strange fan. No, I'm I I have a feeling that Doctor Strange is gonna uh, lurch forward, um, possibly. For I mean, I, I I think it's fantastic. I I love it. I you know, um, I think as a film. Uh, it's, you know, it, it feels too similar to a lot of other movies. You know, it definitely falls on that, on that, uh, you know, jerk learns a lesson formula that (laughs) so many of the Marvel films, uh, I just like plot wise, how it subverts a lot of expectations, especially especially at the end where there is a lot of CGI, but it's not the type of CGI. Like here's a hundred bad guys on the screen. It's just Benedict Cumberbatch trying to outwit one well, it's, one demon for 15 minutes or 10 minutes it's, and it's great it's definitely a movie that uh it's unafraid to just to lean so heavily into weird stuff yeah uh which i mean that alone you know uh makes me love it i mean it's just it's not afraid to just you know wear everything on its sleeve in terms of hey we're doing crazy stuff yeah. But oh so. yeah, but everybody listening, don't hate me for putting Doctor Strange in front of Black Panther. We're talking; they're they're all good. <laughs> Kevin Feige and Marvel <laughs> really know what they're what they're doing. If your if your name's not Iron Man two, you're a good movie. So it's all good. I'm happy to see Black Panthers blowing up. I'm excited for Infinity War. Uh, I, that's it, Stu. You got anything else you want to add about either of the films we talked about tonight? No, nothing. Nothing that we hadn't already touched on. All right. Well, uh, everybody at home, I hope you enjoyed listening at home or at the gym or in your car. You can find me on Twitter at Robert B. Taylor. You can find Stu at Tell the People. At Stubidoo. Uh, you can also follow Cult Spark on Twitter or on Facebook. Or we're on Instagram now, although I'm not updating it much. But hey, we're, th- <laughs> we're there. 
and also you could go to Apple Podcasts, give us a like, give us a review. That we would really enjoy that. We like to know we're being supported. We hope to keep doing more of these, so we hope we have people listening. Uh, and I think that's it, Stu. Until next time. And- uh, keep your keep your eyes peeled. In a couple weeks, the Van Damage Report ebook will be coming out. Ooh, a little tease for yes, we'll have our first the first book that sprung from some of the stuff we've posted at the site, courtesy of Stuart Smith. So yeah, definitely, we'll we'll promote that big at the site for you, Stu. Oh, you're too kind. Everybody listening, take care.